With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Hell Not yeah. Talk Radio. The heat. Hell. Hey, 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 Night, welcoming back the Bears Hall of Fame game. The 2018 preseason is upon us, and so we decided to talk yep, about yep. it on a recorded audio file, which people call a podcast. Joining me tonight, yep, yep. three very, very skilled young women, Myson Adiasor at Mighty or Myson, M I G H T Y O R M I S Y U. You're just, you have no passion, you're completely calm tonight, you're going to have nothing to input, I'm ready for it. Uh, Robbo, what's going on big man? That's Big Rob over there, Seattle Rams underscore NFL, coming from us. Joe, Joe's getting all kinds of uh, brownie points for calling me young. So I'll, I'll take that. Young man, I'll, I'm going to take that to the bank. Uh, check some the numbers. young and the restless. I don't know which. That might have been bold in the beautiful. I know somebody who would know. That's Hollywood yep. Joey. Hollywood Joey Flash at LA Rams, Rams, Rams. What's up, Big Joe? Yeah, what's up, jerks? Uh, in, jerks. The sky is falling. So, uh, hey, I'm out now. It's time to break up. There's a difference. Lots going on. We do have, as I turn around, 17 to 7, fourth quarter just started. uh, Baltimore and Chicago in a meaningless game. But you get RG3, you get Lamar Jackson, you get football. Football. You get Benny Cunningham. Shout out Miles A. Simmons. Oh, Benny Cunningham. Come on, man. You you got a lot going on. The the good thing is, football's back. It's not just training camp. It's not just silliness and speculation. There's actual football coming down. That's what's coming down for the Rams. we got to get into it pretty quickly because there's a lot going on. Um, the Rams are set to head out to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. 
yeah, no, I, I like that idea of everybody. Has, it's, we're pretty close, though. Just about every team in the NFL has a guy, which is pretty unique, although you got to feel bad for Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is one of those guys. Blake Bortles knows that he's Blake Bortles. That's got to be tough, man, where you know like everybody in the NFL is looking at the Jaguars, knowing they're a legit team in the AFC. If only they didn't have Blake Bortles. And you know who's saying that is Blake Bortles. <laughs> man, that's got to be tough. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, do you guys watch The Good Place at all? No. What is The Good, what is the good Place? The Good Place is a sitcom on uh, NBC with Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. And like oh, it's all yeah. out there in the afterlife. Yeah, and there's this, run, there's this running joke. That one of the guys is he's like a, one of the guys that died. He's a, he's a DJ from Jacksonville, and he loves the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he's always talking about he's just, they basically make about three Blake Bortles jokes per episode, and it's kind of brilliant. But when they you know when they made a run last season, it was kind of funny because this show is like really living and dying off the Jaguars. Jaguars always sucking. So just this kind of funny thing of like even like the the actor playing it was like you know going to the Jaguar game and he doesn't have any connection to football he's just a doctor that has this role but it's just really kind of funny that you know in one way people are emotionally invested in the Jaguars just because of this like stupid joke that they keep running on the show but anyway sure. carry on sorry for the uh, non sequitur well now I'm a little <laughs> depressed that even Blake Bortles can't escape Blake Bortles in the afterlife like there is no there is no respite for Blake Bortles even in the afterlife he'll still be a joke that's just cold man. How much did they how much did they pay him this offseason, my son? Do you know? Didn't they just give him the uh, contract? You know what? I feel I bad because Joe's talking about how irrelevant he's looked at and usually I know every contract. And I forgot. Ain't that about a mm. bitch? I feel like I just proved Joe's point. <laughs> I mean yeah, I did, I did that's, that's how Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles is, is that Myson knows all these other contracts and doesn't know. Blake Bortles, why would I learn that? That's the one guy I don't need I know. I know all the irrelevant information. <laughs> I know all these long snapper contracts and stuff. You, oh, what was Blake Bortles? Oh, shit, I forgot. So sad. <laughs> I literally was, just proved his point. Damn. <laughs> his was uh, three years, $54 million. So Could you imagine being a Jax fan and paying that man $54 million? I know. I mean, honestly. That's 18 a year, 26 and a half guaranteed. But there is an out year after next year that would just leave $5 million in dead money. But that's still $5 million in dead money in 2020. So we'll see. It may be one of those things where they, you know, he's isolated this year and he's safe and they bring in a guy next year and then maybe kind of coaching him up and transition him the way we did with Jared Goff in his rookie year in 2020. Still, if you're transit, I don't know that Blake Bortles is the guy that you want to try to transition from, but that's their own problem, man. And uh, luckily we don't have that problem. It'll be fun. It'll be fun when we get up to Baltimore next week, um, start getting things going. But uh, good to have football back. I did see Randy Moss out there. I saw Bethard and Ray Lewis and Erlacher and the rest of the crew. Of course, we didn't see Terrell Owens because Terrell Owens is Terrell Owens who does Terrell Owens. Uh, he's not uh, out there with the induction class. That'll The induction ceremony is on Saturday, but the class obviously walks before the game tonight. Uh, Brian Dawkins as well. It's a good class. It's a good Hall of Fame class. But what, do you guys, what do you guys think about uh, where the Hall of Fame is going? Are there, are there any Rams that you think are obvious fills either – in the near future or on the roster right now? What do you guys think in terms of the Hall of Fame? Ike? Near future, Ike was a I've say Isaac Bruce and Story Hope. Yeah, uh, near future, Isaac Bruce, Isaac Bruce, I think, will be yeah. in the Hall of Fame next year. 
I think Torrey Holt possibly another three years or so, three or four years, because you know that receiver log is it's it, it's a bitch. But it just um, worries me. Like, why why is it taking so long to get Isaac Bruce? In? I don't. I don't. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I truly think I think that it's because Isaac Bruce was never a talker. He's he, the yeah. people that stays out of the spotlight. They're easy to forget. <laughs> but Isaac Bruce, I really don't think people give him the credit he deserves when you talk about some of the best receivers of all time. Isaac oh, Bruce, he, he was a system guy. Their top five, Isaac Bruce should always be in your top five. Isaac he Bruce is a system guy. Isaac he's, Bruce was yeah. a system guy. Great, he's great in the in NFL and receiving yards. I don't know. I don't understand how he a guy was, th- he was number three. I think he was number three in reception. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he, when he retired, he was the man when he retired, you know? So I it's like, I feel like he definitely is someone who gets overlooked because he's so chill, he's so quiet. Um, amazing guy, though. Like, if you ever meet him, you'll know, like, immediately, like, oh, this is a cool dude. Like, really cool, Man. demands respect from everyone that he talks to, really good guy. But he just – he's very chill. He stays out of the spotlight. He minds his business. And as a result, I think he's kind of that person that's out of sight, out of mind, you know, which it's you have wanna... a really loud yeah. personality like Randy Moss. He's not out of sight, out of mind. He's always at the front sure. of your mind, you know. So I, th- I think that's what makes it hard for him to get in. But I would say those two Rams are, you know, the most likely to get in next. And on the roster, Aaron Donald, Johnny Hecker. <laughs> is Johnny, is Johnny Hecker for on Hall of Fame yeah. weekend, instead of talking about his GSOT years, why don't you talk about 1995? Before, yeah, sure. He had 1,700 yards uh, with Chris Miller and Mark Ripley. Yeah. Playing quarterback. That's all you need to say yeah. about Ike being home. And no team. run game for real. You know, Jerome right. Bettis just wasn't cutting it. <laughs> Jerome had uh, 600 yards that year and three touchdowns. Yeah. The next year was worse because remember, the next year was when we moved on from Jerome Bettis and it was Lawrence Phillips and um, Harold Green. Correct. That was the first yeah. year in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, and I, I know he didn't have 70. He had like 13. He had uh, 13, yeah, I'm biased. I'm biased in favor of Isaac Bruce. I don't understand why. There's not a stronger, um, you know, swell of momentum behind him. I don't think he's, he's getting in. There's no way he's not getting in uh, next year or year after. But he's he's already kind of worked his way up the food chain, right? Like a cu- couple years ago, he was a finalist. Yeah, this he, year, he, he, he moved up a little really bit. Close. I think he'll, I think he'll get, got a good chance to get in next year. And uh, I, th- I think he's there this year. I mean, I, don't, I, I can't imagine. But look at guys like Tim Brown had to wait. I mean, all these guys have to wait. There's just like Mason said, there's a huge backlog of that position. Um, He's 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 got to be the next round. What about what about Steven Jackson? Do you think he has? I was about to say. Yeah, I was going to say. Maybe I'm biased, but I think there's a legit case for Steven Jackson to be in the Hall of Fame. There is so legit. I think it's pretty obvious. Nine years in a row, nine years of a thousand yards. Come on, (laughs) you know, like there's without question a legit case. The problem is Steven Jackson, no playoff. games until he got to the Patriots. And that's not his fault. Everyone knows how much I love Steven Jackson, but I'm telling you that will be held against him. You know, he had a like, oh, game well, you know, his, yeah, his rookie yeah, year, he had he had game in 2004, his, and then he went first. dry. Yeah. But it was yeah. as a rookie, well, you know, he was, he was playing second fiddle for most of that year behind, you know, Marshall Falk. Yeah, yeah. A banged up Marshall Falk. And that's—it's just one of those things that I wish people, we we put on the record more often. Is that if if we're going to acknowledge that guys need to get to the playoffs or win Super Bowls to help their Hall of Fame careers, then we just need to be more 
you know, evident about it, that this isn't necessarily an individual award, that it's about individuals who perform with a collective, you know, support group good enough to get them in situations that Steven Jackson never had, which, like we all said, wasn't his fault. It's not his fault the Rams did go to the playoffs, but if that's something you need to have on your resume to help you get to the Hall of Fame, that's just something he doesn't have. Is Corey Dillon yep. a Hall of Famer? Corey Dillon. I don't know. He's turning yards behind. I don't know if Corey Dillon is. Corey Dillon, I loved him um, back in his heyday, but I don't know if Corey Dillon is. You know, he he uh, he, he had a good like three or four year stretch there, but I don't know if he put together a good enough resume. Corey Dillon, I don't think he didn't score enough touchdowns, and it was a lot of things that you could that they'll they'll hold against him. I don't know if Corey Dillon would ever get in. I think Corey Dillon's just going to forever be one of those good running backs. You know, he might be good enough for the ring or honor for the Bengals or something like that, or maybe even the Patriots. But I don't know if he'll ever get in. How about Fred Taylor? These are two guys who are sandwiched around. Steven Jackson, who aren't in the hall right now. Now, I know I mentioned Fred Taylor last week, and I, so I told you a couple times, Rob, how much I love Fred Taylor. Love Fred Taylor. <laughs> it's hard for me to say Fred Taylor because of injuries. He missed so much of his career. Yeah. If Fred Taylor plays half of the games he missed, I think he, he'd be a shoe-in, but he missed those, a lot of games. Those are the career. two non-Hall of Famers who are sandwiched around Steven Jackson right now. You know, 11,241 yards for Corey Dillon, 11,438 for Steven Jackson. And then you got uh, Alfred Taylor, eleven six ninety five. So those those three guys kind of right there, and you know we'll see what where they where it pans out. But I hope the they don't have a cutoff that, line at, at Fred Taylor yeah, and then Damian Jackson for sure. Because of I that. think the thing that's going to help those guys, guys like Corey Dillon and whomever else from that era, is is once we get over Adrian Peterson, like who after Adrian Peterson, who's the next Hall of Fame running back? I know I know some people out of Ramson are going to point out early, but. If you look at, like, Le'Veon Bell, who's up there at the top, Le'Veon Bell would have to put in another five years to come anywhere close to the kind of production that we're talking about. And this is a guy coming out of Pittsburgh. If he doesn't go to the right situation, I don't see how he's going to be able to put that up and have the job security where wherever he goes isn't going to draft somebody to take to take snaps away from him. Who's the, who's the next Hall of Fame caliber running back after Adrian Peterson? Uh, that's a good question. Early, it's sucking. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, though. Edwin but James, it, it's, I mean, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. It's way too early. I think it's way too early yeah. to put Todd Gurley in that conversation. You know, sure, he's pretty, pretty, sure. He's that Joe and it, it's was funny because I was just team. saying this earlier. I was just saying this earlier right. in the comments about the, uh, for, under the Donald uh, piece, but we can't just write off 2016 after one good year, you know? He had he had a, he had a, a, a solid rookie season. You know, I think that 1,100 yards is solid, but I don't think it's you know I think he got the height of this past season, his rookie season, but it's like he had 1,100 yards. You know, I, I know he was coming off of the injury and everything, but it was 1,100 yards. It wasn't sure. 1,500 or something like that. You know, but then he had the really down year. It was a terrible year. I don't care how you slice and dice it. He ran soft. He wasn't running hard like at all. I'm wrote the article and I put uh, gifts up of showing where he's literally being tackled by like a shoelace, <laughs> you know, like it, it was just not, not good effort. He ran with bad attitude, bad vision. You know, he was just out of it mentally. He was just out of it completely. And he checked out and you could see it. And um, then you get to this year where he, or last year where he explodes. So, you know, it's like there, the, the, there hasn't been enough consistent year. Now, if he comes into the league, 
three straight years over a thousand yards, and you know the, the first year he had ten touchdowns, then he has nineteen touchdowns. You know, so if he comes in in that second year and he has even just another eleven hundred yards and 10, 10 touchdowns, nine touchdowns even, that's three years of really good product, two years of really good comp- production, yeah. and then a great production year. Then you're like, okay, this kid's on his way somewhere. But as I said in the comments earlier, this league you see that type of trend every single year. <laughs> you have you have a guy who really good, then down, really good, uh-huh. then down, down two years in a row, good two years in a row. You have to string it together. And, again, that's not a knock on Ty Gurley in any way, but that's just the harsh reality of it. It's not, and I think Ty Gurley understands that uh, just from the way he's working this offseason, the, the grind he's putting in, the leadership role he's taking on. I think he understands he needs to have that consistency, back it up, show that it's not a fluke, it's not just Sean McVay, like I'm that man. And I think that's the way he's approaching it, and that's what he has to do. So I would say it's too early to put Ty Gurley in. I would say the only person you could put in there after Adrian Peterson – is Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> he's, the, he's the only one I think you can put in there mm-hmm. as far as if he continues for another few, few more years, like you said, Joe. And remember, I think uh, I think people forget Le'Veon entered this league at 20 years old. He was 20 when he right. was drafted. So it feels like he's been around so long, but he's still only 26, you know. He's still a very young back, you know. So uh, he, he has time to really put together – if he has, I think, three more solid, really good seasons – I think that uh, he might have a very strong case to be that next back to slide in there. LaShawn McCoy? He's close. He's over right. 10,000, right? He's, he's Johnson? He's LaShawn 10, McCoy now. really struggled to score yeah. points. <laughs> Early in his career, yeah. he struggled to get in the end zone, if you remember. it was He was very elusive. But he had the fumbling problem. There's so many fumbles early in his career. Except for and these are all the things there was, there was one year LaShawn got in the end zone a ton early. Oh, on. Yeah. I don't remember which year it was. There was yeah. one year where he was he he had I think he didn't have twenty but he was close I think he had my dad nineteen. Yeah, you know, so those things they really count against you, you know. So they, and they look at everything for positions, you know. If you're a receiver, yeah, you can have right. a lot of reception, but how many drops did you have, <laughs> you know? So yeah. they, they look at all well, those things when they're when they're voting you in. So I, I don't know. I think Lashawn McCoy, you know, because he's still playing well even at thirty, you know, if he can put yeah. together another two or three years, I think he'd have a good case to to make it happen, but uh, LaShawn McCoy is another good name to watch. But I think right now you're looking at LaShawn McCoy and Le'Veon Bell. What do you think, Joey? I was just going to say, just back to the Rams, about who also has a chance. If he still puts up consistent numbers and even improves a little bit. Henry Krieger Cobalt. Yeah, Joey! I'm just saying, do we have a chance? No, uh, Brandon, (laughs) if Brandon Cooks keeps up his numbers that he's been putting up the past couple of seasons, a little bit more. He's not a Hall of Fame no. receiver. Right? You want to know who on the Rams' current roster who has the best shot at the Hall of Fame right now? No, 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 I don't, Johnny think, I don't think Brandon Cooks is Johnny on the Hall of Fame. Johnny Hecker. Johnny Hecker. I'm telling you. Yeah, I said Hecker. Joe, 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 Joe sounded like he was going to disagree with me. No, no, I put it up in the roster preview. I, I that was my question. Is it is it fair to talk about Johnny Hecker as a Hall of Fame candidate? I know we don't do it for punters. Look, there's only he, been one punter. Sure. Never go in, Ray, Ray Guy. Guy. Yeah. yeah. Ray Guy, the only punter who also was a first round draft pick, still blows my mind. <laughs> but he's the only punter Good to pick. ever go in. And he just went in like three years ago. <laughs> you know? But I truly believe that Johnny Hecker is on that path. I mean, this is pure dominance. How often do you turn on a football game? You know, and I I don't know how many Rams fans out there listening watch more than just the Rams. If you just go through on a Sunday and you're just watching games. 
how often do you turn on a game and you hear the uh, commentators start just going on and on about the punter when he touches the field? They do that with Johnny Hecker. They're like, oh, Johnny Hecker, you know, this guy's leg, and he pinpoints it, and he booms it. Oh, watch out for his arm. He might throw it. Like, they rave about Johnny Hecker. Johnny Hecker is a legitimate star <laughs> in the NFL, you know. It, he's very well-known. He's very well-respected around the league the, from commentators, from players, the coaches. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone watch, uh, watches to see how he's going to kick it, you know, and he, and he has a unique style of punting. I'm getting too depth, too in depth here. I know people are like, "Who don't? What the hell are you talking about? Unique style?" But the way he punts it, he actually the way he drops it, he drops it different from most guys, and he kicks it from a certain angle to give it a different type of spin. And it's hard to do, but it works. So it's like, it's like, how do, how does he do this? He's kind of a uh, like Steph Curry, how you revolutionize the NBA shooting forty foot threes. He's now kicking it from a different sort of drop point and booming it. And the other guys are trying to figure out how the hell can I do that? Well, <laughs> you know, so. Johnny Hecker's the man right now. There was that thing last year with Pat McAfee. Who I think he put a video out. It might have been on Twitter yep. or whatever. But yeah. he, what was, was it called? Donkey punch or something? Right? <laughs> was like, what was the name of it? The spin? And uh, he's like, this, this MFR is you, – you, you try this in practice, but no one has the – no one in the league has the balls to do this. He's talking about Hecker? Yeah. 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 I haven't seen this. I got to find oh, this. Yeah, I'll look it up for you. Oh, it was, it was great. It was great last year. He was like, was he was cool. gushing. He, as a punter, he's like, we, we we tried this in practice, and we you know we we goof off or whatever. And we'll give it a shot, but no one in the league has the balls to do this in the game because it's you cannot predict where it's going to go. If you're going to shank it one time, you're talking about the way he drops it. And, and, uh, yeah, and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. it's pretty good. Like it's, it's real. It's hard. <laughs> it's really the one hard. thing it's not, it's like and a I, different style. Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up in the roster preview because I just kind of wanted that to be an opportunity to talk about whether or not I should talk about a punter going into the Hall or, or what it's like to be in the middle of a first career and consider the Hall of Fame, which is not something we do very often. But the one thing that I worry about now going to start working against him is the fact that he's not on a shitty team anymore, right? Two years or three years ago, 2015, 96 months. Two years ago, he had 98 punts. Last year, he only had 65 punts. He just team got so much better that they didn't need a punt as much, and B, they didn't put him in position to do those kind of punts that we remember Johnny Hecker, you know, from his own 15-yard line, his right. own 20-yard line, and, and just you when know, just throwing the ball. Exactly, exactly, just like the one against the Jets, where he kicked it all the way and switched the entire field. When you're good enough, you don't need a punter to do that. And I, I do wonder if that's going to work. I hope it doesn't, but I do wonder if that's going to work against him will. to deny him those kind of I don't think it will because what it allowed him to do, which it really worked in his favor because that's one thing about punting is no matter where the ball is on the field, it can allow you to shine in different types of ways. You know, if you're backed up on your own 15, it allows you to boom that thing, you know, like sure. show off where you can really kick it. But then by having this shorter field, it allowed Johnny to show off his accuracy, which is what's freaky. Like his act, like everyone knows about his it's really good. power, yeah. but his accuracy is freaky good. <laughs> like really, 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 really good. I would literally have watched this man kick it about 65 yards into a freaking trash can. <laughs> like that's really hard to do. <laughs> you know, you yeah. remember on like Madden when you're a kid and they have you do the the, the coffin put. That's what he he's good at. Like he can really his accuracy is out of this world. He's good at and everything. By having that's, that that's the field, part. 
Yeah, you know, having that shorter field, now he's showing off his ability to pin you on the three, pin you on the one consistent, consistently. Not like sometimes, all the time. No, he, I think he actually uh, led the league in kicks inside the 20. You know, and he wasn't kicking them through the end zone. They weren't touchbacks. They hit the ground, and they don't keep going. They just fall right there at the one. That's really hard to do, you know. So I think that's what – uh, as a, the, the the flip side to having the the field position changed by having a better offense, now he's showing off his ability to drop it into certain spots and to to, to not to not give too many touchbacks or not to out uh, not to shank it because it's very hard to angle it to that sideline without shaking it. You know, so I think that's the I think that's what Johnny Hecker ultimately was able to show the world. And as a result, we saw him with another All Pro and another, another Pro Bowl. So I think I think it worked in his favor still. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it's almost. I was gonna say, you know, that 2016 year, I think it was. I think he led the league also in in uh, net return yards. No, you just couldn't return the ball, return a punt on that guy. It was no. like 17 yards or some ridiculous number. Yeah. And given the fact that it was a Jeff Fisher offense when he was punting, you know, 87 times a game, they just weren't. He had such great hang time and directional punting, they just were not able to get a return off of the guy. I mean, he's he's clearly a weapon. And, uh, you know, if you hear, hear some of the chatter about, you know, what people want to work on this year or whatever, he's like, i got plenty to work on. I don't know if you saw him on uh, the, the Rams Camp Live thing when they were talking. Yeah. He's, he's talking yeah. about uh, he's still, you know, Bones has things he's trying to get him to, you know, perfect on. And so it's great that he's not, you know, com- he's the highest paid punter in the league, right? He's, and he's not complacent. Uh, you just, you know, it's another one of those things where you get guys who were, you know, are just continuing to work on this team when, you know, other teams they might slack off a little bit. Yeah, the thing that I think, and the only reason I was bringing up the idea that he might not get the opportunities that he was before is that, like Myson was alluding to, he's one of those guys like a golfer that's got every club in his bag. He's not just a punter. Some punters just have power, or kickers, same thing. Some of them just have accuracy. He's got all of it, dude. It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you need a big kick or a precise kick or one of these weird kicks where you learn about punting and you learn one of these terms like, what is a monkey punt? I've never heard of this. But um, I guess Johnny Hecker is awesome at the monkey punt. He's just perfect at it. He's one of those guys that's got every single kind of punt available. And, oh, and yeah, by the way, he can also throw it. It's one of those things, and it, it's just it, – it, it's interesting. Oh, Rob just brought it up. The banana kick is what it was called. But it's it's one of those things that, that not, not a lot of guys can do them individually. He can do all of them, and he's got more to boot. It's one of those things where in the middle of a career for a punter, we don't talk about that often. But I guess that kind of gets to what we should be talking about, which is training. And and I don't know how to get into this, but it's the idea that we're talking about a punter's Hall of Fame career in the middle of training camp. (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. Has has this been, and this is a good thing, has this been a quiet training camp, a a kind of boring training camp for the Rams? Uh, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Go ahead. I mean, yeah. look around the league. How many guys are having like crazy injuries? Look at the Chargers. Yeah. Um, the the Packers just lost a linebacker. I mean, the guys are falling right and left again. It happens every year. Uh, our guys are getting nicked up here and there. We've had a couple in the last few days, but they seem like they're going to be minor. Uh, that's how we want it. <laughs> we want it to be quiet and talking about punters. If that's if that's happening, I guess things are going well for Sean McVay in a year or two. Myson, let me get this in. Uh, ten players as of today. This was before today's training camp practices. Uh, ten players with a torn ACL before we even got to the first preseason game. Fozzie Whitaker, Paul Warlow, Hunter Henry, tight end for the Chargers, Morgan Fox, obviously from the Rams, 
Hercules, Mata Alpha, Nick Bodden, Rod Taylor, Austin Roberts, Jake Ryan, and now Jonathan Cyprian. Uh, it's good to be quiet, but it's been really quiet, right? Yeah, I mean, I it has. Eric it, you know, I know I mentioned this. The air out of the room. <laughs> yeah, that I too. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but um, it's it's a good thing, and I think that's what the Rams want, because when you make all the moves the Rams make, the Rams have been the talk of sports. <laughs> the only person that's the only the only time you've heard more talk in sports is if it's about LeBron James. That's it. Nobody has had more media hype this offseason in the sports world than the Rams, which is really weird because, you know, so many years have just been ignored. <laughs> you know, now they're like the talk of the world. And it's not just because they're in L.A. It's because they've been making a lot of exciting moves and not just exciting moves. They're coming off a winning season. So it's like there's a lot of hype around the Rams. And when you do all those things, it's like, you're expected to be in the media a lot more when tra- training camp comes. You're expecting fights and you're expecting, you know, plays constantly popping up and all kind of stuff, but they haven't. They've been really quiet. And that's kind of what you want. You want to be able to slide under the radar some. You know, you want people to forget about you. And when you can do that, then you can just kind of go out there and no pressure. You know, you, you, you don't have that extra pressure and stuff like that. You can just go do your thing very comp, kind of how we were saying about Jared Goff, how – with so many other things going on, it's kind of taking pressure off of Jared Goff. The Rams aren't in the, the Rams aren't having a lot of noise coming out of their training camp, so they're just kind of going about their business, which is a great thing. That's what you actually want to do, and I think it's going to ultimately pay off for them. I, I think it is a great thing. I'm a little surprised because I thought the defense was going to be a little bit uh, louder, just in the sense of how emotional these guys have been in their past, you know, with, exactly. with, uh, with Sue and Marcus Peters. And, you know, you've got guys that, uh, you know, that they run hot. And, and uh, I think when you get them uh, practicing against other teams and then you even put them in these preseason games, that's why I think it's going to be interesting to see how smooth this preseason is going to go to see, what, you know, how is Ray Phillips going to handle these guys? Because, of course, you know, the company line seems to suggest that, you know, we have all the faith in Wade and, He's handled this defense great so far, but in the past, you know, he's had he's had scenarios when he was running the defense or when he was running uh, Dallas where, where where things got away from him a little bit. So right. it's going to be a challenge, and right now it's quiet, and it's nice. But I, I I'm kind of I, I'm a little bit um, I guess eager to see how these guys, especially the defense, how they gel and how um, you know are there, even the preseason are they going to get a lot of penalties that are that are they're not you know. Um, not because they're not playing the game right, but just because they they get a little emotional. Is oh, that that, happen? Yeah. We've talked about that in the past, but I, I, th- that's what I want to see. And I guess just right now, it's you know they're just in Irvine, so you're not really uh, getting to see that yet. You know, uh, sure. Albert Albert Breer alluded to that yesterday on the Rich Eisen show. I saw that. Saw that. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of mentioned some of those things. He said, you know, pick them to win the division. He said, but what's going to happen if uh, if this team struggles out of the gate, whatever, and you've got finger pointing, there's a lot of big personalities on this team. Uh, and, you know, then I think Rich said, well, you know, uh, you know, there is there is that uh, Wade Phillips factor. He's like, well, yeah, same thing Joey just mentioned. Well, it got away from him in Dallas, and so it could happen again. And, and so I think that's – if we're, if there's anything out there that's kind of lingering over, I think everyone's waiting for that, well, you know, I want the aha moment. So if it happens where, you know, Marcus, say Marcus Peters, you know, goes off on someone or whatever, even snaps in the media, whatever, because he seems like the guy who, who is the most unfiltered on that defense right now. So far, everybody's saying the right things. I mean, Sue could go off, but 
He's more he's more of a guy that goes off on the, on the during the game, right? You don't really on see him field, saying right, a right, lot. Right. You don't see him saying things in the media. And Tlaib has been pretty quiet, but Peters seems, you know, to this point, seems like the guy who could be the guy who's just unscripted and just, you know, has that Marshawn in room. He's just going to say what he's going to say, and that's just how it is. Uh, so I think that's. You see the national media detractors who are, who are pointing fingers at the Rams. You know, they're going back to that 2011 Eagles team with the dream team, and oh, it didn't work, right. and it's not going to work here, and there's too many personalities. And I think that everyone's waiting for that moment where they can just point. See, we told you, uh, but I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm, I'm not buying it. I think, uh, I think, I think Wade has the uh, the biggest D in that room. So uh, when it comes, big, it comes dick, to show, big dick energy, you can say it. Big dick energy. <laughs> I think one big difference, because I've heard that uh, comparison quite a few times this off season of the the uh, the dream team Eagles, yeah. and that was kind of Vince Young's big mouth. They kind of put them in that position, but sure. you know, calling them we're like the dream team, you know. But one big difference is if you go back to that that off season, they were just signing guys left and right that really didn't make a lot of sense. It was just like, hey, you know, we we have big names. We're coming off a good season. There's a lot of firepower. Let's load up. They had a ton of money. Yeah, they had a ton of money. And they just went on a spree and just loaded up on as many big names as they could. And it's like, okay, you're getting big names. That's all fine and dandy. But what is their role? You know, and it was just kind of like random signings. It was like, okay, how does this person mesh? But when you look at the Rams offseason, you look at the moves they made, the trades and the signings and things, you bring in Aqib Tlaib and you bring in Marcus Peters. Both are what press man corners. What does Wade like to run? Press man. It makes sense. <laughs> you bring in a you bring in an Indomitian Sue. You know he's gonna play the, the he's gonna play the uh, nose three and the five for the first time. Because he said since college. You know his his own words. He said he hasn't done this since college. However, we all know that he has the the strength to line up at, at the zero and just shade over the center. You, you know. I don't think anyone's going to question that. Not to mention his run defense was number one in the NFL. You know, uh, for for the uh, for the interior defensive line of last year. So we know he can fill that role. So it makes sense to bring him in, especially since you since Michael Brockers has settled into that five tech. Who I don't think anyone saw coming, uh, where he was going to be as good as he was as a five after getting moved from the nose around the Cowboys game somewhere around there. And he just shined at the five for the rest of the season. And obviously, you know, Aaron Donald's going to be on the other one. So it made sense. You know, you look at you look at Brandon Cooks. You bring him in. You know, you want a field stretcher. You tried it with Sammy Watkins last year. He never really got on the same page with Jared Goff. But then you bring in this guy who's consistently been that good at that specific trait, that skill trait. And so you bring him in to fill that role that you never really got going last year, which, remind you, is really scary. The offense never consistently had it going with a deep threat. If you have that now and you had the success you had last year, holy shit. But anyway, so every move they made, it made sense as far as from a personnel standpoint and what their role would be. And, you know, so when you hear that comparison, I hear it all the time because the names are big, yes, just like the Eagles were names were big. But the Eagles were just – they were bringing in – you know, they're, they're running a, a zone scheme, but they're bringing a guy who's not that good at zone, but they're great at men. Doesn't really make a lot of sense, you know. So I think that's kind of uh, the big difference here is the Rams brought in guys where it made sense for their team. Well, poor Nambi. Can I say something a little bit about – Yeah, Joe. Go ahead. No, I was no, going to no. say, you know um, – <laughs> Jumping on the whole training camp idea, I uh, 
I put a, little, a poll on Twitter yesterday just talk, talking about what, what players people think are going to be uh, just breakout potential and, and who, who they have faith. And I, I was really just thinking about Tyler Higby and, and does he have a chance to break out this year? Mm-hmm. I put him and Gerald Everett and, um, and Corey Littleton. And it was interesting to see how much people have faith in Everett and how people are a little bit sure. just um, not too excited about Higby. Which makes sense because you're talking about that, uh, you know, just just that that deep threat ability. And there's there's about a couple a couple catches that Everett had last year where they were just like forty yard receptions where you're just like, man, this guy can this guy can get down there and get the ball, and he's this huge guy and kind of jump up and get it. So it's exciting. He went he went down today with a shoulder injury. Yep. Doesn't seem too serious. So that that that's something that we have to um, to talk about with the training camp. But I think that. The whole linebacker, uh, you know, roster battles. I think this. What are what what are the tight ends going to be? Is um, it's another thing I'm looking at, and it feels like Higby's having a pretty decent training camp. He's he, it seems like he has a pulse and he's, and he's out there making plays. What, what, what do you guys think about Higby? Joe, have you been out to training camp yet? Oh boy, I'm so glad you brought up my guy I, Higby. Hey I went Joe, to, how do I feel I about to, Higby? Do you remember? <laughs> My son's big in Western Kentucky. I, I was at I training camp opening. <laughs> I was at uh, opening day of training camp, so last Thursday, a week from today. And uh, behind Todd Gurley, Higby was probably the most impressive guy out there. He was catching everything. Man, I've been trying to tell often. y'all. <laughs> I've been trying to tell y'all for a minute. Like if. if if anyone can remember, um, you know, the year he was drafted, you know, when I wrote my Diamonds in the Rough piece where I always pick 10 guys who I think are Diamonds in the Rough. And Higby was one because, you know, one, he was, I thought, uh, probably a second-round talent. But, you know, he I felt like he was probably going to go in the third had he not gotten in trouble like, he not a month before the, the draft. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Far, right? like a month before the draft, I felt I thought they hurt his stock. I actually thought he'd fall to the fifth round. The Rams snatched him up in the fourth, whatever. But I definitely felt like he was a second-round talent. Um, Higby was one of my favorite players in that draft. And the, the, the interesting thing about that, that same draft, the only player I liked more than Higby was uh, Tamara Kemingway. <laughs> But anyway, as far as the diamonds in the rough, the only player I like more than Higby was Tamara Kennedy. However, um, yeah, Higby was one of my player, favorite players in that draft. And I just – Higby has it all at tight end, you know. He, and I, I like to compare him to, um, to like, a poor man's Travis Kelsey. I say it all the time. I think that he can really stretch the field. Higby is an underrated athlete. He can really turn it on and really get upfield. And we saw it a few times last year um, where, he'd make, where he'd make plays after the catch. And yeah. I, I don't think people always expect that out of him, you know. But he's actually a very good athlete. He can really, he can really turn it on, and, and he has good hands, and and he can block. Like he's not a bad blocker, you know. So I, I'm a big fan of Higby, and I think that uh, people are expecting, oh, you know, Gerald Everett's in his second year, and you know Gerald Everett's going to take off. I'm not so sure to jump on that bandwagon. I don't care if he is a second round pick because. I think Tamari Hemingway is about to light fire up under them both. I think Tamari Hemingway is really going to put the pressure on them. We know Sean McVay loves Tamari Hemingway, but uh, I think we're going to see all three tight ends get quite a bit of clock this year. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting. But I'm big on I'm big on Higby. I think Higby's going to have Higby's going to have a solid, very solid season. I don't think he's going to 
blow it up because I don't think he's going to get the opportunities because there's so many so many guys to move the ball around to. But I definitely think he's going to yeah. overall have a really solid season. I guess that was my question: Is do you think just the fact that Everett and Hemingway are on the roster does that kind of slow down the development of his feet? I mean, if it was just if he no. was the guy, would, would that be a no, better he has a year. He has a year on both of them. Um, he was drafted a year before. He was drafted a year before Everett, and then Hemingway missed a year because of a broken leg. So he right. has a year on both of them. I don't think that it slows his. I don't think it slows down his development. Uh, he's he, I, it, honestly, I think he's really far ahead of these guys in the eyes of the coaches. You know, I think who, he's just way ahead of them. Who does Jared Goff room with at camp? Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby. <laughs> who does he live Thank with you, exactly. at his house? Tyler Higby. Who is he going to look for? You know. Who's the guy? He's, you know, he has that chemistry with the guy. I mean, the guys, they're, you know, they're bosom buddies. They're always together. And we saw that they're with Sammy Watkins last year. Chemistry counts with Jared Goff, Aaron right? Donald, I would say Ty Gurley, if you watch him on social media, you listen to what they're, what the coaches say, I would say outside of Aaron Donald, Ty Gurley has worked the hardest this season because no one outworks Aaron Donald. We know that. He just fucking doesn't sleep. He doesn't take vacation. He doesn't do anything but lift weights. But, I'll tell you what, Todd Gurley, uh, I would say Ty Gurley camp, is right there with him. Do you do you all know camp? who it works out with Aaron or Todd Gurley like all off season every Stay year? Nelson Spruce. <laughs> that would be Ty, that would be Tyler Higby and Nelson Spruce. But yes, Tyler Higby works out with him every off season. You know, so if if Gurley's getting it every off season and Tyler Higby with him, I would assume Tyler Higby's been getting it too. So I think Tyler Higby's gonna be fine. You know, um, is he gonna get as many targets as you would like? As he would like, probably not because of. So many guys around, and of course, I still think Gerald Everett and Ted Mayer Hemingway is going to get some options, uh, some chances. But I think I think he's going to be fine. I think they're the three of them are probably going to combine for a, a good season overall for the tight end position. Well, when you're looking at Tamir Hemingway and Gerald Everett in the game, you kind of have an idea it's going to be a pass, right? I mean, those guys aren't the the best in line blockers. I mean, you can't always go that way. Not but, even close, <laughs> right? With Tyler Higby, as you mentioned earlier, he's uh, he's kind of sneaky. Uh, he's improved yeah. his, his his game. Remarkably, yeah, absolutely. Year. Uh, last year he had that huge catch that uh, was a big chunk play at the end of the game in, in the, the Seahawks game. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Huge chunk play. Two of them. Uh, two of them in one drive. Yep. And he had he had a number of those, as you said, run after, run after the catch kind of things uh, throughout the year. And watching him at, at camp on Thursday, I have no reason to believe he's not going to get more. He might not have the targets, but I believe he's going to be just fine. And as and, we yeah, and he also has to respect the guy who can get in a bar fight, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> is, is, is Henry Tiger Coble going to get in a, in a bar fight? No. Yes. Is off? No. But Tyler Hickey, he's going to – he's the, our roadhouse of the who would, Rams. Who would be the best – who would be the – who do you want the most the on the Rams <laughs> roster? Who, who do you want the, the most on the Rams roster in a bar fight? The most in a, in a Rams bar fight – uh, Aaron Donald, because I feel like he's knocking bitches out less than right. <laughs> he wouldn't fight though. Aaron Donald would never punch another like, human being. Aaron Donald would never. I feel like punch Aaron Donald is a one hitter quitter. <laughs> he would be. He'd be. Okay, a, let me ask you this: Who would you? Who would you? Uh, what one person on the team be, would you not want to get a clean shot off on you? Just hit you square in the jaw. I'm saying Aaron Donald. But, but I don't. I'm with Joe. I don't think he throws it. I might go Akeem Talib. He he's not afraid. Yeah. He's nah, not afraid to mix to it up. He just, uh, I can feel like a key to leave the club up. <laughs> <laughs> we don't try to go to jail for life. We just 
We just want to throw a couple punches to go home. <laughs> you know, I'll give you the one. Shot himself in the calf. <laughs> I'll give you the one that I, w- I would worry about, if only because he's the one that probably has those morals that you're like, wait, what the fuck did you just hit him for? Is Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth is one of those guys where, like, where, where like if you, if you like, sir, if you got like waters for the table, and you gave one to the guys before the lady at the table, Andrew Whitworth would, would say something like, "That's not happening." God, just like punch, like, wait, why did you punch him? You better serve water to the man before the ladies. You deserve a touch to the jaw. Yeah, and start waving American flag. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the Stone Cold Steve Austin of our team. Yeah, for sure. He'd, he'd be the one to have, like, those weird old etiquette laws that nobody remembers. <laughs> if, if you walk on the left side of a sidewalk with children <laughs> to your right behind, how dare you use your right hand to say hello? That's, you know, Andrew, yeah. you brought Andrew Whitworth up, though, because I actually um, – I was actually really disappointed. Not in him. I was – I was pleased with him, but after the the, the first uh, padded practice, and you know they mm-hmm. the offense loses, of course, and they have to run gassers afterwards. And Shaman they ran with him, but uh, the one who led the pack and came in first on the gas was the whole team. It's not Lyman going with Lyman running backs. With, no, everyone went at once. It's Whitworth, and I'm like, where the hell is Gurley and Robert Big Woods way. and all these guys? Like, why the hell did he beat them? That's you know, why he punched really them. Punch was... You got a sprint and you don't bleed. That's not even good. <laughs> God. Andrew Whitworth is the hacksaw Jim Duggan of the. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to come in with a two-by-four and a, and a American You know what, though? Up. If you remember <laughs> last season, I know I'm remember. I'm kind of like Sean McVay in this regard for what I'm about to do, but if you remember last season, uh, the preseason game against the Chargers, um, and the, the, the uh, we drive down oh. in the second half, drive down in the second half, get to, the, get to about the 10-yard line, Jared Goff fumbles, and yeah. you have – He ran uh, all the way back. Yeah. Melvin Ingram scoops it up, and yeah. the person who almost caught him on about the five-yard line is Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And Melvin Ingram is a good freaking athlete. <laughs> he almost caught him on about the five-yard line. He was hawking him. Now, here's the question. Uh, do you do you want Andrew Whitworth doing that, risking pulling a hammy with his old ass coming No. <laughs> I said that, I said that after it happened. Why don't you Andrew, just let you that one go, son? <laughs> Because yeah. we need you, to, we just need to let, let it go, man. Extra point. Hey, why are you hating huh? on the old people? Ain't y'all supposed to stick together? <laughs> not when it comes to foot. Not when we're paying them. No. no. As, as a no. Band, as brotherhood, no. But as somebody who's on salary, absolutely not. Let, let me ask you this. This is something I'm surprised at that I thought would be a thing this year. Are you guys surprised we haven't had a fight in camp? That's going to change no, next not week. Surprised. It's early. I'm not surprised at all. Are you expecting uh, we know it's going to come? There's not, there's not a single training camp that doesn't have a fight. You know, it's and just yeah, there's going to be some kind of sc- – I, I guess maybe it is too early, but I, w- I was ready for – remember the Rams used to be one of the most talkative teams under Jeff Fisher. Remember the old – when we went to Carolina, that game where Sam Bradford got hurt, where we were jawing at them all oh. game. We were just yapping all oh, yeah. game. We were just Denoris in that year. And then these Denoris Jenkins, <laughs> Trumaine Johnson, Chris Long, everybody was just yapping all game. I, I thought maybe it would be something that was a more evident. I haven't. It, there hasn't even been what's the right word, but the slightest sniff of a scuffle 
not any the latest appearance of this house has not surfaced. So, at all. I was thinking, I was thinking about that. Surprised. I was thinking about that a couple of days ago when they go to Baltimore here next week. Are we going to have a, uh, that, another another Dallas Cowboys like remix? Right. They'll be there. They leave for their Sunday. That's where you were likely to see the the first fight. I think that it'll probably be against Baltimore. You're gonna see yeah. Sean McVay. He better. Sean McVay said that he talked to Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, and that they were uh, in tandem in agreement that they would not have any tolerance for any fights. But if you were playing, you don't give a yeah, damn. Yeah, they say that all the time. It'll be a fight. You still gotta throw down, right? If, yeah, if you're a if you're a dude fighting for a practice squad or a whatever spot, whatever you're gonna yeah. go out there and you're gonna play hard, and other you guys better. are playing hard, and they can't play hard against each other at, in Irvine, but they can play hard against the, the Ravens, and so they're gonna go out there. There's gonna be guys taking shots, and temperatures will rise. We'll see if if they step in and, and try to shut that down, but there's gonna be some popping going on. I, I would not be surprised to see some scuffle. Yeah, I think so. Definitely wouldn't be surprised. So we'll see. That'll be on Monday and Tuesday. That's uh, August 6th and 7th. And then the game's on the 9th, Thursday. That's 4.30 Pacific time, 7.30 on the East Coast. Rams, Ravens getting the preseason start. It'll be fun, man. It'll be stuff. Um, the big story, obviously, that we had today in terms of news was the radio interview. And there's a hundred angles to break down from this. The mighty demo. The mighty 1090, of all things, of all the people that you thought, if, if you were going to say, okay, Kevin Demoff is ready to go on record and talk about Aaron Donald negotiations, will it be the LA Times, will it be the, the Washington Post, will it be ESPN, will it be the, nope, the mighty 1090, <laughs> is, uh, of all the places. Is Hacksaw Lee Hamilton still on that, that race station? He might be. From Temecula He's sadly on Twitter, and it's uh, oh. he, he kind of just has like 20 tweets in a row, and it's it's kind of sad. <laughs> I, I used to I used to listen to him every day oh with, the, with the with the bars and uh, and and sat oh. down. And it was a weird dude, but um, I think I, I think that interview today was uh was was pretty was 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 revealed revealed a lot about the way the uh, Rams are. I'm thinking the front office. I mean, I think a lot of us is kind of a sucker punch, don't you think? Like we we, we thought it was going to go another way. Well, I would say, I so, so I would say two things. So I I took it, and I'll give them credit because I don't necessarily think the way I think it's Rams fans United is his handle on Twitter. Give him a follow, Rams fans United. What um, when I had read it, my first take was that. It, this is Kevin Demoff's first time going on record in a long time on the state of negotiation. And it just rendered everything that McVeigh and Sneed said irrelevant because the head coach and general manager, at least for this organization, aren't involved in the negotiation. So they're just kind of feeding off the talking points and working off generalities the same kind of way that you and I would. If, they, if somebody who's a Panthers fan asked us, hey, what's going on with the Aaron Donald negotiations, we'd say the same shit that McVeigh and Sneed are. But what Ramsey's United suggested was that it kind of marked a shift where the Rams were, in his opinion, the Rams were more willing to be out front of what's going on. And it's not necessarily the difference between McVeigh, Sneed, and Demoff, that it was more this was the first time where they could go out and say that something's wrong. Here's his actual tweet. My take is not that, quote, we finally hear from someone who knows, end quote. It's that Demoff is saying this in public. 
that means the negotiations themselves have changed and become more contentious and more stalemated. Let, let's start with the roundtable. Myson and I were a no. Joey and Rob, you guys were yeses. Do you think Aaron Donald will sign a contract extension with the Rams? Probably your you asked me this last week. I I, I carried the I uh, the flag for Joey and I because Joey was off uh, having a baby. You know, if he, he couldn't get in the pod because you know the whole baby thing. Going oh, and, on, so. and, and for all the scientists out there, um, I did not have the baby. Um, I just watched. <laughs> by the, by so, the way, uh, I just watched. By the way, <laughs> Andrew Andrew Whitworth will punch Andrew Whitworth will punch both of you guys uh, for saying that. Andrew Whitworth, you talk about a man and his child. Bah! You had the baby too. Bah! <laughs> Hey, you know what? I would have loved a, I would have loved an episode of Celebrity Deathmatch with Andrew Whitworth <laughs> and Joe doing the voice for <laughs> We need to That'd make that cool. happen. We need to clean. Death isn't funny. It's our final descent in the darkness. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> What's your problem? Uh, I I said uh, the first two weeks yes. After listening to them off yesterday, oh man, okay. oh man, I'm, I'm switching. Uh, I'm flipping ah! the switch. Coming over to the dark side. Right, so, yeah. right, so before before we finish the round, now you got to explain what was it that did it for you with this? Oh, the fact that he said, you know, we 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 don't value what he does. You know, not that we don't value that, but we don't value it the same way. Clearly. They value the man, but they don't value him at QB money that or you know, yeah. crazy money. We might value you at you know, 18 to 19 to 20, but we're not going to value you at 25 to 27 or to 30, Matt Ryan. No. And I, I I hate myself for saying this. I kind of agree. At 25 plus, I'm, I, I have a hard time with that. He mentioned, you know, we, you know, we've got other things we have to do. We can't just do him. Uh, you know, we want to we want to do it. We want to make it fair, but and I, I I don't blame Aaron Donald for holding out for what he wants either. I mean, he's going to be this could be his last his only big contract of his career, right? Because right, kind of spring season, right? So twenty seven, uh, twenty seven. Yeah. So if he gets a you know a four to five to six year deal, this could be his one shot at making. So you know, hats off to you. Get what you can get, son. I have no problem with him trying to maximize his value because he's not going to get three big contracts. He's going to get his rookie deal, he's going to get this one, and then we'll see where he's at. You know, in his, in his early 30s, is he uh, is he going to be you know Andrew Whitworth and still being dominant in his 35, 36, 37? So I have no problem with Aaron Donald holding up for what he thinks he's worth. And as my son is fond of saying, it's all about guaranteed money and how much you're going to make, how much you're really going to make, and not what what they're going to cut you with. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm switching just because of the fact that you know Danoff has has finally come forward. We finally have someone who's on the Rams who's in the know is not saying, yeah, we want to get him here. We want to make him the highest paid player. We, we finally got someone who says, yeah, we like the guy. We love the guy, but he's not, he's not getting quarterback money because we don't value that position the way he values yeah. that position. So that was big. I mean, uh, I don't even know that was it, was it uh, strategic him saying that or is he just talking and he kind of let one go? I don't know, but the truth is out there and I'm, I'm, I'm switching my vote. I'm going no, sir. I, I, Mike, I can see two. I can see two tags and, and a goodbye. I can see it too. My son, you were on team no. Yeah, you, you were on team no before this. No, we got to go to you first. Joey's got to go last. Joey's got to go last because he's the, he's now the lone member on Yes Island, which means you've got to go next. You've got all that. I'm still no. 
obviously that I don't think that for me, this doesn't change anything. And to me, I, I took him at his word. I think this was him honestly giving an update about the contract situation that McVay and Snead weren't as clued in on because this is what he does. Like I said in the article, in, the, in my response to the article, you, you don't, the wide receiver coach, what's going on with the defensive line. You have the defensive line coach. This was the first time we've asked the defensive line coach what's going on with the defensive line. And his answer was, he doesn't like to say the things. Obviously, it didn't change anything for you. But what did you feel about Demos comments, Mike? I mean, they were what I expected him to say. <laughs> I, I, I do feel like, to some degree, his comments are blown out of proportion. Because what the sure. hell do you expect him to say? You know? And if you right. listen to the actual interview, he wasn't saying it in like a disrespectful way or necessarily even trying to put them on blast or anything like that. He was being as politically correct as possible. In his role, you're expected to be a politician when you're asked those questions, and that's what he did. You know, So it didn't, it didn't really bother me or anything like that. I didn't freak out. I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, did he just say that? You know, like there wasn't anything like that. It was just like, okay, you know, <laughs> but – at the same time, I, I never felt they were going to sign him I, anyway because, as I've mentioned so many times, you look at their past history, the way they go about their business when it comes to certain players, and I'm starting to notice a bigger trend. It's offense or defense specifically. You know, defensive players just they don't get that love. You know, they're not they're not getting it from the Rams. The Rams, even before Wade Phillips and when Jeff Fisher was there as the head coach who was all about defense, the defensive players, with the except for the one really, really stupid contract of the forty-five million nine-year average uh, to Mark Barron, I thought that was worse than Alec Ogletree. <laughs> I thought that was really bad, but they tend to let guys walk really often on that defensive side of the ball. So it's like, no, I didn't, I didn't, I don't expect them to sign Aaron Donald. And I'm starting to see that they don't value how much the impact that he has, even as a defensive tackle, and it's uh, it's right. sad, really, you know. It's really sad. Joey, you're the, you're the lone survivor. You're the you're the last man standing. I'm running out of cliches. So you're the, you're the only one. You're the last water can. You are the last dragon. You're the only <laughs> hey. one left standing. Well, uh, guys, you're going to have to uh, – I'm going to need a big sack of rice because I'm staying on Yes Island. Yes. Yes. Good. What, what, tell um, me your reaction okay, to why you think the Rams are still signing Aaron Donald. I'll sing the well, soundtrack you know to Leroy in the background. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, wildly optimistic and probably misguided in my optimism, but I'm hoping <laughs> that if this is Kevin Demoff doing his job, and what he was doing is um, not blinking with the, the reps over on Aaron Donald's side, because I really think that what Aaron Donald is asking is too high, and I I kind of feel like there's not a team in the NFL that's going to pay. Okay, what wait, let me stop. For. We don't have the Why? number for it. And Why I do you feel it's too high? Teams out there. Well, because well, yeah, we don't know what he's asking, but let's just say it is twenty five million. Why do you feel it's too high? I mean, I I, I kind of feel like it's more than twenty five million, but um, I I'm thinking like if okay, he's well, asking for twenty six or twenty seven. Do you feel twenty five million is too high? I would say that twenty five million is too high. Yes, and I kind of feel like okay because I feel like this league is is just so offensive driven that you got to look at what like why are you paying that money with the salary cap, and what can you get 
for fifteen million, uh, or even eighteen or nineteen hey, or twenty. Like, what, what's the difference between <laughs> that, that extra? Okay, that extra five million or six million. Hey, I, I mean, I think he deserves it. I'm just curious if these teams will pay it. And I think that's a big difference. We talk about you know, the, the emotion of the fan and like how much we're like, give him everything, give him the whole house. It's like yes, but there's a there's a fucking salary cap, you know? Like we can't we can't give him thirty million a year, right? So obviously you have no. to agree he can't have thirty million a year. <laughs> so then can he have twenty nine? Can he have you start going down? And I think there has to be a point where Aaron Donald's reps kind of go, Okay, well we've reached the point where this team's like unable to give that money. And I think what I'm hoping for, the reason why I'm still on uh, yes, Island is. I think that they're going to come back with a sweetener, yes, and Island. that that this is that this is them kind of saying, "Hey, listen, we're not going to give you this huge thing," and then you have you know Donald Kent making the threat on whatever they're going to do, and I believe before the season begins, the Rams are going to come back with a stronger offer than they've than they've offered, and. I'm hoping that that's going to be what does it. And this is going to be a, a, a brutal dance that they've been doing all in the offseason. But um, I still have to hope. And a lot of the reason why I think, uh, why I think it's going to happen is because it's just going to be so awkward if it doesn't. And I just don't have yeah. like, <laughs> the bandwidth for that shit. You know? I'm just so <laughs> tired of this. That, like, I would rather just be like, hey, we're all going to live happily ever after, rather than just talking about the divorce of our best player. I actually heard okay, on the so, radio the other day uh, uh, someone was talking about this this contract. They talked about the Rams paid Todd Gurley, reset the market. What's it going to take to reset the market with the defensive player? And they mentioned uh, like Von Miller's deal and and Sue's deal. At the time mm-hmm. when they when they got their big deals, they were roughly like eighty three, eighty four percent of what quarterbacks were, like the top paid quarterback was getting. Right now, right. that number of the highest paid defensive player because of Matt Ryan's deal and Jimmy Garoppolo and those guys, it's it's the top player defensive player is getting like sixty four percent. And so the thought here that they had was if, if uh, the you know Donald's people want to get back into that eighty eighty four percent, which is going to be twenty twenty five million. And so if that's what they're holding out for, they're like, hey. I'm not going to get exact quarterback money, but we need to get this back up, reset the market back to right. that, you know, 83, 80, 45% of what the top quarterbacks are making. That's kind of where that number is coming from is, is what they were saying. Correct. So like, here's the thing. Aaron Donald, I think is universally recognized as the best defensive player in the NFL. And some people will even tell you that he's in the argument for best player overall in the NFL. Could be. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I look at Aaron Donald. I say, you look at the history of the best players, as, as 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 Rob just pointed out. They always get that contract that's right there behind the uh, quarterback. More specifically, those best players have all been guys who can get after the quarterback. They've all played down in the trenches. Um, even Von Miller, who plays the edge, he's down in the trenches because he lines up on the line of scrimmage more times than not. Um, the reason being is because when you are fighting Superman, you go get wet, kryptonite. And when you're talking about, as you pointed oh, out, Joey, like you made you made the point. What's up? No, I did. The, oh, Superman okay. and kryptonite. This is getting real. That's deep. Yeah, it got real, real. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, you you actually <laughs> pointed out the very reason why you have to pay Aaron Donald. It's an offensive-driven league. How do you stop that? 
you get in their face. You bring them down. You have to stop the quarterback. Every quarterback in the league, if you know if you know anything about quarterbacks or if you know a quarterback, they will tell you there's nowhere they hate pressure more than up the middle. If you can push from the inside, screw the edge. It's easy to dot. Let me not say easy, but it's so it's easier to dodge pressure that's coming from the edge. It's not easy to get away from pressure that's hitting you right in your face. And the people hear that and they're like, wow, it's right in your face. You can see it either. Not quite. <laughs> because you're very rarely looking straight ahead there. The pressure's from the edges. You can roll out. You can step back. You can do the whole Russell Wilson uh, spin. You can do all those things. When it comes straight at you, you can't really do that. So, I, yeah, Aaron I Donald brings that the Oh, man, the last dragon soundtrack. <laughs> he brings oh, the last dragon <laughs> You know, Aaron Donald has the glow. <laughs> Aaron Donald has the glow. Okay, so let's hold, talk hold about on. the contract. Go, so this, that's the impact. You know he anyone, has listen, anyone listen to this show, if you've not seen The Last Dragon, go find yourself a way to oh. stream it somehow because this is the greatest dude, movie dude, nobody's ever talked about. We live in an era with fire sticks. Go watch this shit. Uh, <laughs> I, have it on, I have it on DVD, VHS, and Fire Stick. What's up? Come holler at me. We're so old. Anyway. We're so, we're so anyway, fucking old. So look, we're so quick, fucking old. Real quick, I'll finish oh, Aaron Donald. I'll finish Aaron Donald quick. So, <laughs> Aaron Donald not only rushes your passer, but he also plays the run equally as well. Okay? Aaron Donald had 91 quarterback hits last year. The next interior defender had 61. Like what the 62, excuse me, not even close. Like, what? Are you serious? He is the most dominant player in the box, period. And I would say on defense in general, but I'm just going to talk about the box right now. Then you talk about the contract. Everyone say, oh, I don't know where everyone's getting this. Oh, you can't give him this money because of cap. Where is everyone getting this? <laughs> there's no, I, there's, I don't know where people just made this up in their head or what. The Rams have so much cap space in the coming year. <laughs> So that's why I use the Seahawks as an example because the Seahawks had a similar situation a few years ago. These are the contracts they handed out. Richard Sherman was made the, the highest-paid quarterback in the market. You had Russell Wilson, who was made the highest-paid quarterback in the market. Cam Chester was made the fourth-highest-paid safety in the market. You had uh, Earl Thomas, who was the second-highest-paid safety in the market. Bobby Wagner was made the highest-paid linebacker in the market. And Doug Baldwin was paid as the fifth-highest receiver. All those contracts were done within two years. And, of course, they also had a second-tier contract where you get $30, $40 million that they gave to K.J. Wright and Mike McFinney. Okay? That's eight players that they loaded up on hands <laughs> in two back-to-back seasons. Joe, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> the last Mike. Keep going, keep going. Go, 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 go. Because their team... The uh, Seahawks team wasn't the demise. They didn't see the demise from Captain. They had saw the demise this past year. That's what caused them to break their team, though. So, yes, they did do this. They could definitely take it if they need to. I don't think $30 million is a question at all, but I do think that $24, $23 million a year. But as I said, it doesn't really matter. But if you were to pay him $19 million a year, but the guaranteed dollars is right, I think he'd take it. You know what I that means, Joey? Joey, that means you're the last one up. You're the only one. I tell you,
Avalanche Dragon. Did we lose Joey? Joey, have you seen the last dragon? I have I have seen it. Yes, it's awesome. Sorry, that it was so loud that all I can hear was uh, those, uh, those Joe, Joe is a jerk. <laughs> uh, forget that, was, Aaron that was amazing. Forget Aaron Donald. I'm sitting yeah, here thinking about 1985 Vanity. Who who needs Aaron Donald after that? Right. Who was the old white guy? Who was the old white guy that was like the bad guy that couldn't do anything? Oh, get him, Lee. Who was that guy? I need to find out. Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. No, Eddie was like the guy. Remember in all those old movies when, when like uh, the bad guy's henchman would grab the good guy and he would go, yeah, and like his, his name oh, is no. Mike. His name is Mike Starr. <laughs> of course it is. That's amazing. That's, that's who it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, so if, if you're talking, if you're talking, how you how do you combat combat kryptonite with, super, with Superman? So if we're talking Jim Duggan on one side, that means Aaron Donald's gonna be the Iron Sheik. Just keep this Ooh. thing going, right? Ooh, Just keep like it going. Coco beware. <laughs> the only – look, it's very it's very simple. The only way to stop the quarterback is to beat their ass. <laughs> That's where you get you get a pass rusher, you get a, 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 a D-line, uh, just a front seven that can get after them. And every one of those front sevens that's that caliber, they have one guy who's just head and shoulders above the rest. And, and in this particular case, the Rams have that, but they also have that one guy, and you have to take care of him. I mean, it's just that simple. Someone made the comment on the site the other day that, oh, you know, superstars leave their teams every day. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, more yeah. times than not, those guys in their prime, they're going to – teams don't let them walk. You know, it's, it's, it happens, but it doesn't happen every day. And usually when it happens, it's for character reasons. They're not getting along in the locker room. It's very rare – that you just have a guy like an Aaron Donald just walking around in free agency. That that doesn't really it's happen. It's very rare so, that so. you have a, an Aaron Donald in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about about a guy that's played four seasons. He's never missed a game due to injury. He's never missed a practice. Let's, let's soak that in for a second. So Who can find me one injury report where Aaron Donald did not participate? <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Aaron Donald, he, he's so, you know, he's durable – and he's so unbelievably productive. Four years in, only four years, and we're already talking about Hall of Fame. And it's not just us. Everyone talks Hall of Fame when they talk to Aaron Donald. Are we not counting like the thirty-five practices he missed last summer? Rude. Hell we're no. not counting that, Rob. <laughs> okay. So, 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 back because even, even when he wasn't there, he was still outworking the team. <laughs> but you know what? But just all jokes aside, it really, it really goes to show how good. Aaron Donald is and how well prepared he is. How many players can miss that many practices and come back and play the next game like it's the second game like it's nothing? Walter Jones? Like it's absolutely nothing. Doesn't get hurt. Usually when guys sit out that long, they get hurt. Walter Jones made a a Hall of Fame career out of doing it. Every year that man (laughs) in Seattle missed many games. They want to pay him, and he would come in for the first game and dominate, and then he made Hall of Fame career, Walter Jones. And that, that's the thing. Great, but that, Walter was pretty damn good. That's a perfect example, though. Okay. Walter Jones was a Seahawk, right? And he was yeah. a Seahawk through and through for a Hall of Fame career. And the idea that Aaron Donald is at this impasse is one of those things where this is just not supposed to happen. No. It it happens for, you know, generational guys, right? Walter Jones. I guess. He did it. 
Maybe Aaron Donald's be the second guy to just, you know, say forget training camp. I'll just come in and kill it for 17 weeks and then get myself a Hall of Fame career out of it. Uh, yeah. Do we see this ending? I don't. I don't see it ending after after my change in my well, vote today. So here's the next marker on the horizon. Is August? August? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say the next mark on the horizon is August 7th, right? Where if and at this point it doesn't seem like this matters to any. I guess we're just throwing all the goddamn rules out that Aaron Donald would still be a restricted free agent after the season unless he gets an accrued season. In order to get an accrued season, he has to report. I think it's on August 7th. I think he has to show up on August 7th, uh, 30 days before the beginning of week one of the NFL schedule, not the Rams schedule, but the NFLs. In order to make this an accrued season, he would also have to play in six games. Um, An accrued season would allow him to be an unrestricted free agent. A non-accrued season would mean he would still be a restricted free agent, and the Rams would recoup at least a first-round draft pick in any kind of negotiations. Obviously, the Rams don't have a problem with that. It would just make things a little bit harder for Aaron Donald and his representation to be able to meet full market value if a team has to also throw in draft capital to do it. It sounds like, from the previous report that we put, I think it was Pro Football talked through it out, and we posted it on the site, I think it was last week, that that doesn't seem to be holding them back. That restricted free agency is something that they would entertain. And you can understand, I mean, to think about the way we've been talking about Aaron Donald tonight, it's not surprising when you've got somebody in the middle of a Hall of Fame career that people are more than okay trading top draft capital. The Rams just traded a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. They traded a second-round pick for Sammy Watkins and had him for one year. So the idea that teams would be willing to trade a first-round pick to have Aaron Donald for multiple years doesn't seem that ridiculous. Um, We'll have to see. Uh, but who is it? My or Joe was going to throw something. Well, I was just going to say that uh, part of what was revealed also in the Demoff interview was talking about just this kind of Super Bowl team and how they have to save yeah. money for Jared Goff's contract or Mar- Marcus Peters. And yeah. I was curious if they're they're also thinking like is you know Jared Goff's our starter? That that's not an, an argument. But is he is he a twenty seven million dollar you know year? franchise quarterback and no if he's not going to get that huge money do you think then they'll be like okay let's sign Donald but if this year you know happens and he's just fucking Aaron Rodgers then um, I don't know this is (laughs) a little bit of a bet but if he is if if he has this career where you're like oh this guy's the real deal like we drafted a Hall of Fame quarterback that's going to put up these huge numbers then how much do they have to pay to keep him? And, and yes. can they pay yeah, both guys the same amount of money? Yes, right? No, absolutely. Then, Here's the Peter, thing. Like, I was actually – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just I just threw in Peter's name as well as the contract. But, yeah, go, go ahead. So here's the thing. I was actually, you know, discussing this with someone earlier today, and I think that people are so ahead of themselves with Jared Goff it's it's the same thing with Todd Gurley, how I was talking about the Hall of Fame, how we jump, you know, it's too early to jump to that conclusion. It's too early to jump to the conclusion that, that come time for Jared Goff's contract, quarterbacks will be, you know, the top quarterbacks will be making $30 million across the board. You know, they're, they're all going to make – at one point they're all making 25, 20, uh, 24, 25 across the board. Right now they're crossing over into that 27, 28. By the time Jared Goff's time rolls around, um, it's going to be 30, 35. And at that time, 
Russell Wilson will be uh, looking for his next contract. Carson Wentz will also be looking for a contract. So the market's going to obviously get reset. It gets reset every year, and it's going to be $30 million, $31 million, somewhere around there. Here's the question with Jared Goff, because Jared Goff didn't start off the way that you would like <laughs> or anything close to it, really. So you have the beginning of his career where he wasn't good enough to start over Case Keenum, and even when he got in, he was still not that good. You know, so imagine how bad it would have been had he got in those first seven games, you know. But then or the, then you go ahead and you move forward to next the next year, and he has a really good season. But I think, again, it's kind of being overhyped, similar to what I was saying about Todd Gurley's rookie season. It's like, okay, yeah, he had a really good season. It was a solid, just a really solid season. He had 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns. Great. Like, that's really good, especially coming off the injury. But it wasn't oh, my gosh, like, wow, look at this dude. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. You know, he didn't have the same rookie successes like Ezekiel Elliott or something like that. He didn't go out there and put up 1,500 yards or anything. Um, and the same thing with Jared Goff. Last year, Jared Goff had 3,800 yards and 28 touchdowns. That's not a bad season. There's not no shade being thrown at him. But he didn't go out there and just blow the NFL away either. <laughs> you know, he wasn't this, oh, my gosh, he's such a great player. You know, and you you look at the factors that played into his season, you know, he wasn't really carrying the team at any point. You know, he never really put the team on his back. The few times he had the opportunity to, for example, the Washington game, it didn't really go so well where he had the opportunity to put him on the back, take him down the field and, you know, score some points to win the game. You know, he still hasn't done that. Um, and even, with, even when you look at the uh, Seahawks game, after the two Tyler Higby catches, you have Cooper Cup. Yeah, we all ragged on Cooper Cup for not making that catch, but that wasn't that was he really laid it out there when he didn't need to. Cooper Cup's wide open. He, it wasn't an easy catch. <laughs> you know, he's wide open. He could have he could have gave him a better ball. You know, so when you look at those things, you're saying there's still room to grow, which you expect. But he had a Todd Gurley, which really made his season a lot easier. Todd Gurley took off. You know, and then you add in the fact that you got guys like Robert Woods taking a screen 33 yards to the house, or on third and 33 taking it 50 yards to the house. It's like, what the hell? You, you know, he had he had so many things working in his favor. Can we see him take that next step to where he doesn't necessarily rely on those things? Now he's kind of making those things happen. He's setting up Todd Gurley for success. He's setting up his receivers for success. He's making those throws to where it's a wide over Cooper Cup to win the game, you know, because he, he hasn't had a four-quarter comeback. So that's the next step to move up, you know, 3,800 yards, 28 touchdowns. Yeah, that's good, but it's not great. And if that's what we have this year and that's what you have the year after that, then I don't think he gets that $31 million. You know, well, the Rams apparently they favor the offense over the defense, so maybe they will give it to him. But I don't think that's what he'd be worth. I think he'd be a twenty-five million dollar contract, which would be equivalent to right now where the market is. That'd be equivalent to just getting a twenty million dollar contract. So I think there's still work to do for him to be paid like one of the highest paid quarterbacks. Sure, in the field. a lot of work. Yeah, no doubt. The, when I did the kind of the previous contract negotiations, I looked at three things. Number one is obviously going to be the caliber of his play. If he turns into the guy that can win games kind of single-handedly down the stretch, fourth quarter games, late season games, postseason games, that changes the calculus. Number two is going to be the surrounding cast, right? Is the offensive line still in place? Well, if you're talking about making Jared Goff a $30 million quarterback and you don't have an offensive line, 
you don't need a $30 million quarterback, right? You need an offensive line to be able to let him do what he does. Um, if, if, if Todd Gurley is still Todd Gurley, if we get the wide receiving and the, the tight end compliments, the, the, the passing game targets are good enough to make the use out of a $30 million quarterback. Uh, and, and whether or not the Rams are good enough by the time that we're talking about those contract negotiations to warrant putting that franchise in his hands. Uh, that'll be number two. And then number three, and this is one of those things that's impossible to gauge this far out, is how good the market is for the alternative. Uh, when you talk about, you know, the, the statistical representation, it's war, wins against, uh, wins uh, above replacement. What would a replacement for Jared Goff look like? Is Jared Goff an yeah, exactly. quarterback? Sean Manninger. But if Sean, Sean McVay is this great offensive mind and you've got a good offensive line, you've got good targets, you've got Todd Gurley, how much better is Jared Goff than the alternative? Right now, I'm quite happy to let Jared Goff continue to grow and develop as his quarterback. But when we come time to talk about contract extension, if we're talking about $27, $28, 30000000 million, and we probably will be at the time that he's got to do it. And, of course, you've got to throw that asterisk. His contract ends after 2019, which is exactly when the collective bargaining agreement is set to be uh, coming up in 2020 season uh, where he'll have a fifth uh, year option on his uh, first round contract. So it, it coincides there where we're going to have to see it's all coming to a head right there, right after the Rams play the first season in the brand new stadium. But that's going to be an interesting one. The, uh, the other thing, as we get ready to go, we talked about training camp, talked about Aaron. Martin. little easy topic besides the last dragon is uh, we have the poll from college football. You know, the first coaches poll, the 2018 season. So we, I know you got to run. Uh, I'm just going to run down the top 25. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia. Or Oklahoma, Washington, Wisconsin, Miami, Penn State, Auburn, rounds out your top 10. Notre Dame, Michigan State, Stanford, Michigan. USC comes in at 15. TCU, Virginia Tech, Mississippi State, Florida State, West Virginia, Texas, Boise State. UCF comes in at 17. LSU, 24. And then Oklahoma State at 25. Joey, give me your national champion for the 2018 season. The Georgia Bulldogs. I didn't like it. Who's your quarterback? Now, here's a two-point question. Number one, who's your quarterback for Georgia? And number two, can you even name their fucking quarterback? You don't know who the quarterbacks are. Number two. Number two. The latter. Quarterback. That's a great name. Hey, take it easy, Joey. We're about to get out of here. Uh, Big Rob, I know you love some Washington football. They come in at number six. What do you think about Pac-12 football? Uh, I want to know why UCLA is not listed in this uh, top 25. Chip Kelly. Oh, oh, the coaches were rude. Uh, Yeah. Rude. That's my NCAA champion right now is uh, the surprise UCLA Bruins. Chip Kelly is going to lead us back to glory. Uh, you. You know, Running the table, the Pac-10 South, gonna, you know, Utah, forget it, USC, forget <laughs> it, Arizona State, forget it. Chip, chip, chip. Look what he did with with castoffs up in Oregon. Now he's at L.A. <laughs> yeah, castoffs. All all those guys okay. who paid their recruiting service to yeah. bring up to Oregon. Forget those guys. I mean, he's got used to <laughs> L.A. We've already seen with the Rams what happens when you're in L.A. with the, you got yourself a coach that people love and you know can be innovative. UCLA is going to dominate. They're going to run the table. Forget this list. Alabama, Clemson. What, what do they got? They got Who chip. are they? We got Chip. UCLA is going to run the table, baby. Um, I love it. 
Yeah, that's where I'm at because uh, I live in Huskyville, as we all know, and it's uh, pretty nauseating up here. Washington is to Seattle kind of what USC is to LA before the Rams came back. It's their professional football team. Everyone, you want to talk about the Seahawks for you know a window here of about five years? That's cool. It's Washington Husky football every day of the year up here. It's Washington Husky football. People love themselves and dogs. And when they're down and they were doing, you know, winless years and Tyrone Willingham and those guys, uh, it was pretty sad because everyone was moping around. But now that they've got a little taste and they've got themselves an amazing coach. Chris oh, they Peterson, got more than a great. They got more uh, than taste. No, they're, they're, they're set up to go because that guy can coach. He can flat out coach. Yeah. He recruits. Um, they're loving. They are loving life. It's, it's like when I first moved here and Don James was in control and they were always top five. Um, running, you know, national championships in what, 91, 92. Uh, that's what yeah. they're feeling right now. So people love themselves some dogs. And I just have to keep, you know, hammering with my Chip Kelly, my Chip Kelly uh, UCLA Bruin talk just to kind of counterbalance it up here. Do y'all play each other this year? You uh, no, we don't play them this year. They, they lucked out. Oh, no, yeah, you do. No, at do UCLA. They? I just looked it up. Washington at UCLA, October 6th. Oh, I thought they got off lucky. They didn't have to play us. Oh, well, sorry, Washington. There goes your perfect season because we're going to whip that ass. You're going to have to show up. Rob in LA, October 6th. Like, Mason, uh, what do you think? You don't have a dog. I mean, you're a Missouri guy, obviously. Not in the- you have a, yeah, I was kind of waiting for price. you to uh, throw out their name when you was rattling off the rankings, but you know, I, I see we've been played. Again. It's all good. Yeah. As we learned earlier in the pod, Myson's a big Western Kentucky fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that I'm a hilltopper, but uh, I, I've liked a player or two from there. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a hometown guy. You know, with Mizzou being like an hour away and. Mizzou was actually my first college acceptance. Go figure. But, um, no, I'm definitely a hometown guy. I definitely moved from Mizzou a lot. And I know I've mentioned before that I uh, just there being so many teams in college football and growing up, I just watched so much football. I became a fan of multiple teams, and Florida State being one of them. Uh, it, it's so weird. I like the rivals. <laughs> sure. So, I'm a, I'm a fan of Florida State, and I'm a fan of Miami. doesn't make any sense. But I'm also a fan of Ohio State, and I'm a fan of Michigan. So outside of Mizzou, those are like four what? teams that I'm always <laughs> following. I'm always watching. Shit makes no Michigan. sense, does it? Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I, makes no sense. Whatever, screw you. This makes no sense at all. Who was Ohio talking? State, Michigan. I follow and watch those games all the time. And then uh, Miami and Florida State, a fan, follow and watch those games all the time. Who and was everyone talking else, Jim Harbaugh earlier this week about not eating chicken? That was in Slack, wasn't it? Jim, Jim Harbaugh. That's probably me. His quarterback. Yeah, because he said it was a nervous bird. It was me. He said it was a nervous bird. bird. It was a nervous <laughs> bird. They got Shane Patterson transferred from Ole Miss. They got all that stuff. Offensive side, they got some defensive issues, but uh, they got a good squad. That obviously Ohio State's really strong. Of course, now this weekend, we'll have to see what happens with Urban Meyer. Sorry, Eli. Ooh. Sorry, Lanny. Ooh. I'm not sorry. I mean, I, I'm really, really, really <laughs> gonna be. Uh, I'm not sorry. I'm really, What's really gonna be uh, watching Michigan closely because of uh, one of the signees was. I know I mentioned him from months ago to Joe or here on TSR, but uh, one of the signees being Little Ronnie. Little Ronnie yep. has grown up, <laughs> and he, he ended up being one of the, the better receivers in the state of Missouri and broke a lot of records. So he was uh, he was the receivers coach at my college. He was his son, 
And when we were when I was in college, it makes me feel so old now that he's in college. But you know, he was, he was this really athletic kid that used to be around. He was like ten years old, and I remember him like doing something like just random stuff. Like he climbed the goalpost while we're practicing. He's just standing up there at ten years old, you know. But he was like always this freaky athletic kid, and he went up to he went on to grow up to be like a dominant football and basketball player. So I'm definitely looking forward to see what he see if he can. Uh, crack the lineup in an open receiver course. So we'll see. Great thing about Michigan is they get it on early. So in this poll, this was the coaches poll. And now, by the way, the coach, not actually the coach, the PR directors and communications directors, like Swimans of the world, 14th is what Michigan was ranked. They play Notre Dame, who's ranked 11th, the first week of the season. So that's uh, opening week. Uh, I don't think it's weekend. Let me check and see. I don't think. I know the LSU game is on a Monday. That is on Saturday. So that'll be Michigan, uh, Notre Dame will be opening week, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. That'll be obviously must-watch TV. But other than that, I don't know that I got a lot to add. On top of what Bravo and Mike and had, OU playing North Texas Mean Green, I will be at North Texas SMU, the Safeway Bowl. Uh, to open, I mean, it's going to be obviously the nation will have its eyes fixed on the most important college football game of all, North Texas SMU. Nobody's going to win. Boo. Go but SMU. I'll be there. Oh, it'll be good. It'll be good. And uh, after that, man, after we get these tickets secured, you know what that means. It's on to Baltimore for the, for the Los Angeles yeah, Rams. Um, yeah, um, which will yeah. not see any offensive players play, right? Are any, any ones? Will, will they I'm, get a run? T- I'm down to sit them all. Yep. Goff, girl, sit them all. Put them all. Put them all. Mannion gets every snap. You don't need to. Do you need to play down. My, Do you care about playing any of them? Do I care of what? Playing any of the starters in the first preseason. Oh, uh, no. Not really. Because it's the first yeah. preseason game, and I don't really, I don't really expect them to play more than seven or eight plays, which I hate. It's such a freaking tease. Either don't play them at all, or at least give them two full series or something. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't give me this seven play crap. But no, not for the first game. Uh, the second game, I, uh, it will be much better. But the first game, no. Um, I would, I, I more so want to see how these young guys are looking in the first game, first and last game. Yeah, the J Ray show. Yeah. When are we getting Maggie, together next week? The, the game's on Thursday. When do we need to do this podcast? Uh, we can't do it Wednesday, so we could do it Tuesday. Actually, or do it. We'll discuss it a little more in Slack because I'm kind of thinking. I'm kind of leaning towards after the game, but we'll discuss. We'll discuss. We'll discuss. Yeah. And we will let you all out Friday. there that's listening know. <laughs> do it Friday, do it, old do it. man. TSR while watching the game. Watch the game and do it at the same time. I love it. Hey, there you go. Reporting live from what's the Ravens Stadium? I don't know. Hell, but reporting live from there. (laughs) (laughs) MNT Bank, but it's reporting live from our own bedrooms or bathrooms or closets. Hashtag Turbo Radio. That means you know where to find us. At 3K underscore for your sleep. At Mighty or Myson, M I G H T Y O R M I S O N. At Seattle Rams underscore NFL for Robbo and at LA Rams, Rams, Rams. Eva, social radio, man. Preseason's back. 
We made it. We made it. We finally made it. After all this hey, time, we finally made it back. Officially back. Back. As of tonight. Joe, you don't have to watch this countdown anymore. You have a real NFL game that was played tonight. <laughs> you can you can let your college countdown go for this year. You have We're no back. idea how many times I've watched Arkansas against Texas A&M. I've watched games. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> And I go would back. not recommend it to anybody. Go back to watch that East Carolina Memphis game. That's that's. The I watched it. That was a great game. That was a great game. <laughs> a great game, right? a game. We're not going to talk about that on Church of Radio. Uh, Too much self-respect. That's not true. It is what it is. Go Rams. <laughs> This is the biggest Duran Duran knockoff.
Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.